0: And welcome back. I'm Ryan Recker. And a couple of different ways you can reach the show. And someone text. So Ryan, spell your last name so we can look you up. I uh, hope you become a regular fill-in and get your own time slot. Aww. How, how nice of you to say that. Makes me feel really warm and fuzzy. So Ryan Recker, W-R-E-C-K-E-R. If you want to find where I'm at, I put a website together, ryanrecord.com. There's a big question about facial scans at live sporting events. Here's where I look at facial scans and think is it really going to deter people from going to games? And ultimately speaking, I don't think it will, even though it is an inv- invasion of your privacy. I don't think they should be allowed, and they being the arenas or whatever it is, to require your digital thumbprint or your facial scan to be able to enter an event that you've bought a ticket to. I don't think it should be a prerequisite. I don't think it should even be a conversation starter. I don't think it should be allowed. And I'm with this anti surveillance organization that has launched a petition against the Mets for their facial recognition ticketing system. Uh, 1010 Wins in New York wrote this up. Based on a civil rights group launching this petition, the Surveillance Technology Oversight Project, S-T-O-P, stop. Name the petition, "Steal Bases, Not Faces, condemning Major League Baseball for adopting a new ticketing system and partner with a computer vision company called Wicket. I'm 100% on board with wiping this off. This should not be a thing. So I'm going to open up this question to you. And think about this at any sporting event you go to. Let's say you want to go to the Bills game. Let's say you want to go to a uh, any sort of Buffalo live event. It doesn't even have to be sports. You can actually go to a concert. You could go to a speech. You can go to a show, um, anything. Do you think it is an invasion of privacy if they scan your face going into it? And my answer is absolutely it's an invasion of privacy. But I think the bigger question is, would it stop you from going to these venues that force that? 716-803-0930. 716-803-0930. I bet it's one of those deals where there's going to be a lot of people like me who bring up the issue with it and say that the benefit of scanning someone's face is not there. There's no real long-term benefit to it other than collecting data, using that data, selling it or whatever. There's not going to be much of a security factor to it, even though they may say, oh, it'll be better for security. No, um, I think ultimately it's not going to make a difference in the end. And then on top of that, they have more data that you didn't uh, you didn't voluntarily give up to them. And what do they do with that data? They always use it against you. I don't think there's a whole much. I can only think of one time this may have been beneficial. There was a story a couple of years ago where a guy went to, I believe it was a Dodgers game. And later he was accused of a crime and he was going to be convicted of this crime. And he said, wait a minute, hold on. His lawyer found out that he was at this baseball game. And just so happens during this baseball game, they were filming an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. And because of that. The lawyer went to the studio, said, can I see all of your videos you recorded that day? And sure enough, they found him in the background, proving he wasn't at the crime scene, and ultimately making sure the kid would be able to stay a free man. If it wasn't for that surveillance, then maybe he'd be in jail right now. So outside of that one example, I can't think of how this would be beneficial. And I don't think this will keep too many people from going to these events. Here's the number, 716 803 0930. 716 803 0930. Would this actually prevent you from going to a live event if this were something implemented here in Buffalo? I don't see too many people saying, well, I'm not going to go to a Bills game from here on out. I'm not going to a Sabres game from here on out. I'm not attending that concert. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. Oh boy, I'm not going to the theater. I'm not going to go see that show. I'm not going to. I think people would still continue to do the things that they do. Here's where I think the biggest uh, red flags start to crop up when it comes to scanning your face. China has done something very similar. It's a social credit system. In China, cameras everywhere, scanning everyone all the time, everything that you do and don't do. What they do is they basically create this social profile, and then what they do is encourage you to be more, I guess, friendly to the Chinese government. So, if you do things that are pro Chinese government, then your social score goes up. If you do things that are anti Chinese government, your social score goes down. And based on that, you start losing certain privileges in society if you have a low social score. So, they use this as to say, oh, you have the free will to do what you want, but hey, if you don't do what we want you to do, you're going to lose the opportunity to rent cars or go on a train or transport or leave the country or buy food or, you know, it depends on how far down the line you want to go when things get into an emergency. So they use that as a way to try to scare people into doing what they want. Now, how can that social type of engineering be applied to the United States? Now, I know the government can't necessarily do the same thing to you, but what can they do with that information? Could they perhaps start a database on your movements and track your goings and comings? Could they find out where you're going? Can they find out the route that you take? Can they profile you based on neighborhoods you go to? Could they decide if you're a good or bad driver based on these, if you're speeding, if you're swerving, if you you know cause problems? And you know, can they start to collect all this information and then say, well, this person's dangerous. Maybe it's better we share this information with the insurance companies. So the decisions they make could actually make it more difficult for you to buy insurance because they might jack up your rates. Considering, oh, wow, look at these cameras caught you moving or you speeding most of the time, even though you didn't get a ticket, but they saw the proof of the speeding. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, look, he wasn't wearing his seatbelt over here. Oh, look, he's changed lanes without using his blinker. Or even worse, let's say they decide to use these cameras and they show you going into a fast food restaurant. Oh, look, wow, he goes to McDonald's a lot. Oh, boy, he really likes Taco Bell. I know that there's some really delicious burritos out there, but, man, that guy really likes it. So now they use that data point, whoever has the control of these cameras, and they use that data point to say, wow, this guy does not eat right. Um, Maybe we need to reflect that on his insurance premiums. Hmm, that's really interesting. Do you think they would do something like that? Who's to say... Facebook or Twitter or some of these other social media places don't all already do that. Let's say you're online and you decide to search, oh, I got this weird mark on the side of my arm. And not in a Dr. Pimple Popper type of way. Oh, I got this weird mark. And you Google search this, oh, weird rash or whatever it is then what if Google says, oh boy, well, we know who's searching it because it's this guy's computer, so we know it's this guy. And uh, now he searched this, and oh, remember uh, two months ago he searched this thing too, not looking good. And then they use that data, they sell that data to whoever the insurance company is, and then they say, well, maybe we're not going to write that premium. Maybe we won't allow them to pick up the, uh, the, the extra coverages. You know, what if there's, you know, accidental death? Oh boy, well, we can't, we can't give that sort of insurance premium out there because this is how it works. They use this data in a way and they can sell this data and it is something valuable to them because other companies want this data. It's not just the things you're doing for advertising sakes, they can use this to really engineer a lot of different outcomes. And this is why you should be really scared when companies are starting to normalize this sort of thing because not all tech companies are good people. They're using these things against you, the, the data points that they collect. And a lot of times, they're not using it for you. Aaron is calling in from Toronto. Hello, Aaron. Welcome to WBEN.
1: Thanks right, for my call. How you doing, man? Good. You know what? I, I just, like, listening to you speak now, you're kind of opening up a little bit of my eyes because I was like, well, why would they be doing this? I've gone to uh, Security Expo where they had this uh, program, basically, they were using in Tel Aviv's airport and... What it did is it read our body cues, it read our facial expression, body temperature, all this kind of stuff, but it was not being used on passengers. It was actually being used on the employees, and it was because Mm -hmm. they were trying to figure out, like, if somebody comes in with some sort of nefarious, like, we're going to read it in your body language, we're going to read it in your body temperature, we're going to figure it out before you do it. And it was like, okay, that made sense to me. But when you talk about implementing the same type of system at a sporting event, I question, who are we doing this for? Like, who, I've never felt threatened while at a sporting event. Have you? Like, what is? why do we need this?
0: Okay, so I want to raise this point, and I, I think this is where we have to really be careful in the way technology is started to become more comfortable. And this is why I'm glad there's organizations that try to stop this because i do see it as a huge security issue a privacy issue so let's say we start to normalize this sort of behavior so oh you know what it's just for your safety we want to make sure everything's fine we want to make sure everything's fine and dandy and then we start to become more reliant or we come more accepting for this type of technology Now you're starting to look at the scenario where the person that controls that technology is able to actively discriminate against you, because what would they do? Essentially, they would say, well, even though our algorithm may or may not detect certain things, they can manipulate it in a way to make it sound like the computer detected something. But really, it's just them overriding the outcome that they want. It could be the outcome of this person's dangerous, so we're going to use this as the way to fire them. Or this person is erratic, so we're going to use this to discriminate against them. Or this person's not healthy, so we're going to use them to drop our insurance. Then the people that write these things and the ones that have control over the outcomes are the ones that are basically given free reign to discriminate. And that's how technology can really be abused by just a few companies that have that control. And I don't look at this as like a tinfoil hat moment. I look at it as this is what happens.
1: Ryan, if I can, if I can say to what you're speaking, like I was, uh, I'm here in Canada, right? We had our rally at uh, our Capitol Hill. And while it was happening, the police were taking pictures of us. And I was like, I don't care. Take my photo. And then they started seizing bank accounts based on people that were in photos. So mm. I was like, holy God, like I didn't think that that was possible, but It's inevitable. Like, it's not preventable. And I I appreciate your concern. But I'm like, what what are we going to do about it? Like, is there anything we can actually do to stop it? Maybe we can stop them from telling us, but we can't stop them from doing it.
0: You're in Canada, so you don't really have free speech the same way we have it here in the United States. You can be punished by your government for telling a joke even, you know, and and it's pretty scary to think the abuses that go on from the government side of things. Police taking pictures and using it to seize bank accounts is such a huge violation. I can't see that ever happening here in the United States, but what a scary thing to see that happening, not that far from Buffalo, and it should be a warning sign to a lot of people here, this is what happens when you give up your freedoms. People will try to make the argument That for your own safety and for the safety of your neighbors, you have to give up your civil liberties or your freedoms because safety is more important than freedom. And then when that happens, all of a sudden you find abuses in government. They use that. And this is why there needs to be warnings of never to trade off your liberties for safeties. And it's been the the United States for the longest time has said that. And luckily, there's been a lot of smart people that have reverted back into the constitutional protections to make sure that wouldn't happen.
1: If I could just leave with this one, one one comment, the road to hell is paved with good intentions.
0: What's that? I'm sorry.
1: The road to hell is paved with good intention.
0: Well said. Okay. Thank you very much, Aaron. I appreciate that. There are a lot of security issues, and I, I look at technology not as a friend a lot of times because you know that you can't really trust it. On the surface, they will talk about the benefits of it and what they uh-huh. offer to the table, And in the background, you wonder, are they really abiding by their privacy policy? Like when they say they're not collecting data, how do I know they're really not collecting data? Like your cell phone. Some companies will say, we don't collect anything. Or some ones will give you options to opt out of it. Who's to say that they have actually followed through with that? If a lot of what they do is secretive, proprietary, and you don't have an opportunity to look behind the curtain to see if they're actually being honest there... Who's to say that there's not another whistleblower that's going to come out, just like they had with Facebook, to say, no, 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 behind the scenes, they were actually collecting, behind the scenes, they were selling, doing this or that. And plus, there's the political side to it, too. You know that these big tech owners, the ones that are like the Zuckerbergs of the world, they're spending so much money donation-wise to one political party, and that should really tip off what they're doing with their platform when they have the ability to manipulate it. What do you think is more valuable to a certain political party? Do you think Facebook as a platform amplifying the things that you want them to amplify and hiding the things you want them to hide? Do you think there's more value in that or let's say a monetary donation of a couple million dollars? I'd much rather have anything I want off the Internet, off the Internet. And how often do you find... The FBI working in tandem with certain tech companies. Maybe they're saying the things they want to hear. And even Mark Zuckerberg and some of them go out later and talk about what a mistake that was taking the, the guidelines from the FBI, using it for their own policy. But really, it was telling to show that these abuses continue to happen and have been happening even recently. And who's to say they've stopped happening? So I may sound like a tinfoil hat type of guy saying that, oh, these surveillance methods at a Mets game are, you know, way over line and there's no 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 i am so on board with this anti-surveillance organization i hope they're successful i hope this doesn't become the normal and i hope more people understand really the abuses that continue to happen with big technology like this all right i'm ryan Recker filling in here today on news radio 930 wben let's look at our text messages Uh, Let's see. The point is that they shouldn't even need to have all those cameras and stuff if they would just prevent any situation from rising by cutting off the source to begin with. That's interesting because there is a story, I think it's South Carolina, that we're going to talk about here in a moment. So let's put a pin in that. A couple of text messages. Facial recognition works really great for the people in China. Ooh. Uh, Text message, they've seen how far they can manipulate people over the past three years, so now they're taking it to the next level. One person says they only do that with the easy pass. Um, I don't remember. That's got to be connected to another text. Here's one. So the group is more important than the individual. Now, I wouldn't say that. I don't don't know if that's the conclusion. When you're talking about constitutional protections— it's not necessarily the group, meaning the government, is more important than you, the individual. It's written in such a way to say that the government shall not infringe on these things, meaning the government cannot take these things away from you. That's, it's so important that it's written that way, because now it's saying that the government can't abuse its power with these circumstances. Second Amendment, First Amendment, go down the list. And that's so important because in the United States— they understood that there could be a ruling class or whatever that could use it as an opportunity to take away your rights, your freedoms, but it's written in a way to protect that from happening through the processes that we have in the government. And that's awesome. That's great. And it, it's actually held up really well. The Constitution is beautifully written that way. So it's not so much the group is more important in the, in the individual. No, I wouldn't make that argument. But I, I, I see what you're trying to go with that. Uh, one person said... Let me read this text message. It's the right quote. It's, uh, those who give up freedom for security deserve neither. Was that a Ben Franklin quote? Yes, I I know exactly what you're saying. I believe that was Ben Franklin. But that's a very important point that is definitely worth mentioning. Let's go back to that one story I was mentioning there. And this is in, where was it? W-R-A-L. North Carolina college campuses have secretly tracked social media posts of students and protesters. And what they do as a university is that they will contract with an organization. And this organization, WRAL, found as they're investigating it, is that for the past three years or so, North Carolina has used the social media tracking system at the university and many other universities around. Uh, State University, Chapel Hill, Carolina University, North Carolina, A&T. There's a whole bunch of them. Duke University, Wake Forest is part of it. But they find that the schools contracted Social Sentinel to monitor posts on several social media platforms. The schools say in this organization says it's harmless because what they're doing is trying to stop it at the source. So much like that one text messenger said is that this isn't going to do much when you're already at the game. Well, you got to stop it at the source, then this is what their argument is. This is how you stop it at the source. The university uses social sentinel, and this is part of the quote, to identify threatening and concerning public social media posts surrounding events and campus activities that require campus public safety. And I'm going to go back to being smart and savvy and somewhat understanding of how technology is used against you. In some ways, when you're young, you don't think about this, but you put stupid things on social media thinking you're funny. And now in today's world, you can't do that. You can't, even, you can't make jokes about certain things because you'll be looked at as a threat. You're being socially monitored, and you will get brought in and question by the police, and they will find if you're a legitimate uh, problem or if you're a threat to other people too. You know, some people may have a really weird, freaky sense of humor. And you have to be very careful with that sort of thing and the way that you say certain things today. A lot of things just are not as acceptable. I mean, and you look at the way comedy has changed over years and things that you may have joked about before, there's no way you can do that today. Some of it is just being socially acceptable, and others now is looked at as a way that it's more of a, well, you might be a, looked at and deemed a threat. But nonetheless, when they look at these things on public safety, they don't want to make any sort of uh, chances that someone's going to show up to try to bodily harm someone else. So they try to step in ahead of time. I get that. But I think you got to be smart and understand that anything you put publicly out there will be either criticized, will be analyzed and could be used in a way to ruin you. And you got to be so careful. Some people think they're being smart in the comments they say, and then some things are taken out of context or whatever it is. And it, it, it could be used to ruin your life. Now, if you're a college student, you may think, that's just a harmless joke. No. I mean, yes, your college is probably monitoring every single, single thing you say. Nonetheless, I don't even know why these colleges know the social media uh, media handles of the people that are going to that school. I, uh, you shouldn't have to tell them, oh, here's here's my social media profile. Oh, here's my Twitter handle. Oh, here's my Instagram. Oh, here's my this. Here's my that. Here's my YouTube page. No, here's a podcast I do. No, they shouldn't even give voluntarily that information up. I wouldn't want them to know that. And probably the company you work for may have a system like this in place. Maybe the people that you uh, go to every single day of your life to get a paycheck and earn a living are monitoring the things you say constantly. And maybe they're just waiting for that opportunity to find something to separate your employment. That's why you got to be so careful. If anything, keep what you say private online. Uh, Only have it to social circles of people you know. I mean, that's a really good way to try to stop and prevent things like this from happening, abuses on social media. I don't know. Some people may actually like the idea that this is being monitored, that makes them feel a little bit safer. I don't know. I'm just too leery about it. 716 803 0930 is the number. That was out of North Carolina. Here's a text message. You're doing a great job filling in for Tom, giving you an A+. Aw, isn't that nice? Can I just mention this real quick? I do a podcast with my wife, and I started doing this just recently because I wanted to keep creating things. You know, I'm looking for my next talk radio job, and I want to be able to say, oh, hey, and I do this podcast, you should go listen to it. So my wife is an avid reader. She reads upwards of 90 to 100 books a year. And the idea of this podcast is to review the books she just read. I don't read often. Like, I I might read a couple of books a year. I mostly read news stories, things like that. Uh, And if I do read, it's nonfiction. Like, the last book I read was a book about the Disney animators' strike of the 1940s. Yeah, a lot of the Disney animators, the drawers, the animators, half the staff at Disney went on strike because... They were promised all these bonuses that never came through in the company as an animation lot was on the ropes. They almost, I mean, they were overextending money. They were in massive debt. Disney almost flopped. They almost went under. But that was the last type of book I read because I thought that was real fascinating. She likes to read fantasy, time travel, space stuff, you know, whatever. So we put this podcast together and I asked my wife. If on a scale of one to five, what would you rank me? Because I always have her rank what she thinks the book is on a scale of one to five. As a podcast host, what would you rank me? I'm so glad that texter said he would rate me or she would rate me an A plus. Um, because my wife rates me a three out of five. She says, oh, you're average. That's my wife. My, the, the person I, I look to, I trust the most in my life. The mother of my children. The, the person I look at every night and say, I love you you know this is this is my my everything she says i'm an average huh. it hurts it just hurts me inside if you want to find that podcast and you want to hear what an average talk show host i am on the podcast it's uh, the hold list theholdlist.com so if you're have a membership to a library or whatever, if you got a library card, you can put books or whatever titles on your hold list and they'll hold on to it for you when it becomes available. Then you go pick it up. That's the idea of it. Get get things from the library. Uh, here's another story I wanted to get to. It's more of a local story, but I think you'll find in Erie County. And this is reported by WIVB. Taxpayers have been overcharged for a service during a pandemic by more than half a million dollars. The Erie County Comptroller's Office did an audit And they said, well, we have this contract with this group, a $2 million contract. They're going to offer services during COVID, testing, things like that. So they get the receipts to make sure they're using the $2 million they were awarded responsibly, and they were actually living up to what they were supposed to do. Apparently, the paperwork was a little bit weird. They didn't have certain things submitted, some questionable things on there, too. Big gaps in funding. So they said it's important to know that the funds received from Buffalo Home Care would still have to be used for COVID-19 related expenses. So okay, if you're traveling, if you're doing this or that, make sure it's going to what you said it would. Half a million dollars still unaccounted for. So let me point out two things. One, this organization, Buffalo Home Care, could just be sloppy. I mean, maybe their best defense is we haven't submitted all the paperwork yet. We're going to have to do that for you. We'll specify this sort of thing. But I tend to think that if the comptrollers are bringing this out into the public, Then they were already given a chance to supply this proper paperwork. The second side to this is, if they are looking into contracts that are awarded during COVID, don't stop there. I want to know accountability for every government dollar that was sent out there during the pandemic, because we had all kinds of national relief that was just being flooded into local areas. And I want to know how many of them were used the way they said they were used. I thought it was such a scam that they gave so much money out and then just gave a blanket forgiveness, no repayment needed. And I think that for the most part, there's a lot more fraud with that COVID money. And I got to believe that we could recover some of that if they were to audit it just like they did with the uh, Erie County comptroller's office. But if we're going to go out as a country and say we're going to continue to write checks one after another, oh, we're going to do this infrastructure bill. Oh, we're going to do this Green New Deal. Oh, we're going to do student loan forgiveness. We're just going to keep writing checks, 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 checks with no accountability. That puts us in an even worse spot because then you get away with fraud. You know you can get away with fraud. So what's going to happen the next time we offer one of these incentives out there? It doesn't have to be COVID money, and hopefully we're not writing these sort of money blank checks out frequently enough. But in the last couple of years, we've had too many of them. But what happens if they look back at it and say, well, they, they put a two billion dollars down there and then they forgave the, the, the errors. Then what's going to happen next time you decide to give out a billion dollar whatever, because there's a national emergency and there's no accountability for it? You know, there's going to be even more fraud. So I really hope that this money is recovered. And I hope this is a wake up call that some of these offices that are actually doing their job And the ones that actually care to do their job are out there searching for these things and to write when public money is used inappropriately. I think also part of this, too, is whenever there's a giant government contract, I mean, we're talking millions of dollars, we need to know why that company was awarded the money to begin with. I mentioned before, I come from Missouri, and I've seen so much corruption when it comes to government contracts with people associated with that organization. And sometimes they go through great lengths to try to hide their affiliation with the organizations that were give, given COVID money. And even when they have been caught red handed, there seems to be no repercussion for it. We got to stop that too. I mean, I, the older I get, I look at this and say, man, of all the money we've wasted over the years, the things we could have done with that and the trouble we could have saved ourselves and the position, the better position we could have been in. I just wish there was more responsibility. And more people eager to try to stop this sort of fraud that goes on. I really wish there was more urgency for that sort of thing. And you know it happens all over the place. It just makes me sad. Uh, here's a story out of New York for the NBC affiliate Family Dollar is recalling certain items from its over the counter products. I thought everything at Family Dollar was over the counter. Is there anything that's like behind a curtain, or do you have to get an attendant outside of the balloons? Like, if you have to go get one of the floaty balloons because of the helium side, sure, you're going to have to ask an attendant for that. But for the most part, like, everything's out in the open. Family Dollar has voluntarily recalled certain co- over the counter medical supplies, which I didn't know they offered, 40 products ranging from pregnancy tests, marijuana test kits, dental cleaners, and condoms. I don't know how bad your life is right now. Just keep in mind, you're not going to Family Dollar to buy condoms. That's when you know you've hit rock bottom. I, I I don't mind going to Family Dollar and buying things. In fact, they got a lot of great products. And if you're shopping with your kid and you just need a couple of little small things, oh, Family Dollar, if you need a birthday card, Or how about an anniversary card? No, I don't need to buy a $7 card in a store. I'll go to Family Dollar. You need a balloon? Family Dollar. Need a couple of snacks for a trip? Maybe you're trying to sneak something into the movie theater? Family Dollar. How about notebooks, paper products? If you need whatever, Family Dollar, that's where you go. If you are going there for over-the-counter condoms, I'm sorry, listen, we need to have an intervention. I know life is tough right now. Uh, just don't what, <laughs> cut it out because uh, I don't know if I'd trust those. I'm sorry. Because the recall, 40 products. That does something else. Family Dollar notified stores and asked employees to remove the stock affected with the items. Uh, let's see, they shipped all the way up till June 10th, so I guess technically they could still be on the shelves. All right, watch out for that. Hey, uh, one other thing that may be even a little bit wackier than this. In 2027 in California, apparently you can decompose human remains, and it'll be legal. You can use human remains as compost thanks to a new California law that is tackling climate change. Daily Mail reporting this. Law that was signed into effect this week by Governor Gavin Newsom takes effect in just a couple of years. And the California law makes it legal to turn human remains into compost. Tell me that's not a little bit weird. This seems like if you're a serial killer, this is like the best news for you. Oh, no, no, I didn't kill this person. No, 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 this is just uh, compost. Yeah, no, 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 it's legal now. Yeah, you could compost people. No, I got their permission. No big deal. I got their permission. The process involves placing a body inside of a reusable steel container along with wood chips and flowers... And then they use that as a way to break down the human remains. So like you, when you're talking about like, okay, I'm going to put this in my dinner tonight. Uh, but, you know, I need to add something like cream cheese because it's a little bit too thick. And I need to, you know, or I'll, I'll add a little oil into it, a little bit of water. It's like a water it down. So basically you're doing that to the human body in order to create. The, and then what? One month later, you can take the decomposed body and take it out and start planting it. Such a weird thing. Uh, I So weird. California is insane. Like, Why do they think this was a good idea? And who is going to voluntarily allow their remains to be used this way? You'd have to be an absolute nut job to say, go ahead and throw my dead body in so you can plant a couple of tomato plants in the backyard with it. No, no, no. Again, if you're a serial killer... California is the place to be. I'm Ryan Recker. I'll be on tomorrow, I'll also filling in for Tom Bowerly, so you can join me on there. If you want to reach me on social media, I don't post personal stuff, but I do like to communicate with you if you want to message me. Uh, I have all my links posted at ryanrecker.com, W R E C K E R. Ryanrecker.com. Have yourself a great night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. We'll see you on W B E N.